This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Cut off by Mata, throws it out front, Dumba scores! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, notes, and much more. Fiala's in for Minnesota. Fiala cuts to the middle. Wait, scores! Greenway in. Saved by Miska. Rebound. Erickson. They score! Jordan Greenway beats Miska. And poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill. Now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyak, and Justin Buck. Hello and welcome into Sound the Foghorn coming at you for the second consecutive Sunday. Uh, promise this isn't our uh, new recording day, but uh, just how things have worked out as of late, and you know it seems unfortunate. Maybe approaching the off season here. Um, if the Wild are unable to to take Game Five tomorrow, a lot to get to today. But before that, uh, Brett Marshall joined as always by Justin Baki and Zeke Boyat. Guys, it's been a rough rough week since we last chatted. But uh, how are you doing on this Sunday, Zeke? Uh, you know, overall, not too bad. I mean, obviously, you know, like you said, the, the last three games have been, I mean, it, it, not necessarily boring, but, you know, not really uh, fun in a lot of ways. And it's just kind of, uh, it's, it's good to be here talking to you guys, but it's just kind of been, uh, you know, those three games have been just kind of a little bit deflating in that way, especially after how the first game went last Sunday. So, For sure. Justin, what about you? I'm doing pretty good. Got to watch the Sun play soccer today and uh... – find out that he does love hockey better than soccer so that kind of makes up for uh kind of what's gone on recently i'm doing better today than i was last night i was actually you know kind of in a mood last night after that game but you uh, and i both you know getting ready to uh talk about it here and maybe vent some frustrations and yeah so let's work backwards yep yeah, Move on for game five here exactly let's work backwards here let's start with last night because i think that's what's fresh Mm-hmm. We won't, uh, as as they say in journalism, we won't bury the lead. Uh, last night was frustrating for a couple reasons because I mean you look at you look at the score, you see four nothing, and you would think, man, the Wild got their ass kicked again. But you know you start looking at other things. The Wild pretty much outshot Vegas two to one. They controlled the they controlled the shot attempts. They controlled the expected goals. They had their fair amount of looks in the power play. And just for the basically the fourth consecutive game this series, they just could not figure out a way to crack Mark andre Fleury, who's been just absolutely spectacular mm-hmm. this series. Well, I mean, you know, only only a Rube would say that uh, they played well when they got beat 4 nothing. Yeah, very true. But, uh, but no. Then but call then me a Rube. Yeah, I don't know. We don't, we don't, I'm a proud Rube we don't if care the case. if you want to call uh, for anybody for saying any of that. We call people homers groups who don't care. But, uh, yeah, no, it was uh, – you're right. It was, it was frustrating because, you know, I mean, the, the game started out – like you know, obviously, like you said, they they outshot him. That they probably had, you know, again, it was it was Flurry was playing a great game. But I, I just think that, you know, I think that the biggest thing was that you know, 
people were going, well, what about all those all those turnovers they had in, in, in odd man rushes they gave up, which obviously were the difference in the game, were the couple times that uh, the Wild just made key mistakes right in the absolute wrong spots, which is the reason they ended up losing the game. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't think – I think it was just different from – compared to, you know, game three before that, where it just seemed like the last few periods they stopped moving. I, I just think, I don't think it was a, you know, an effort or a compete thing last night. I think it's just part of, like Brett said, a hot goalie. And I, obviously, guys, you could see, like, Fiala and others were just, you know, con- seemed like they just were getting frustrated as the game went on. Yeah, it's, it's been frustrating. And I think some of my frustration is seeing, you know, like, I feel like it's kind of a lack of adversity because, you know, get the – the goals called back in both games and it seems like they got deflated and Vegas just took off. And, you know, another thing that's killed us is our special teams. I mean, mm-hmm. get a four minute power play and, and do nothing with it really. And actually give up a shorthanded goal off a, a bad turnover or whatever it was. Um, yeah. I, I mean, we're, we are just kind of shooting ourselves in the foot and not having very much adversity after, you know, less than ideal situations. Yeah, let's let's talk with the special teams because man oh man have you know penalty kills been mm-hmm. fine, but this power play, I mean it I didn't think it was possible for it to look really worse than it did yeah. uh you know, early in the year, but man. Uh in the four games this year it looks like the Wild have had total time in the power play, which is a whole nother story in itself, but uh, let's see, three six Seven, they've had nine chances on the power play. Total shot attempts in those nine power plays. Uh, let's see, that's eight, 20, 20 shot attempts on eleven power plays. Shots that have actually got to the net, uh, eleven. Uh, they've allowed uh, on the same in the same vein four shots on the kill. Allowed a goal against, um, and they're. Just a shade over, it looks like last night was a little bit better, um, but through the first three games, not even one expected goal uh, on the power play, which is uh, not good. Uh, six total high danger chances. like they, It just has not been good, and I think a big part of that, um, and Zeke, you pointed this out, Victor Rask along the half wall. Uh, you've, you've pointed out, uh, I think Tony Abbott on 10K Rings pointed out, Giles Farrell. Uh, also, 10K Ranks brought it up on Twitter last night. He's just the dude. It just he has just been an absolute terrible piece in the power play as of late. His stick is where uh, pucks go to die in the offensive zone, oh, as they say. And and you know, I think you know, just just some out of context, you, you know, the Vegas did, I believe, have the number one penalty kill in the NHL this season. So I think that's obviously part of that. And and you know, they're aggressive. They they skate. They they don't just lay back on the penalty kill. But yeah, I think. My biggest, I mean, obviously, like like everyone knows that uh, that four minute power play when they're down to nothing in the game, as Justin brought up, even though they ended up getting score on, like when that was happening, you're like, okay, this is going to be, uh, the, the, you know, probably their last chance to really get back into this game and maybe even back into the series, and they just didn't do it. And I think, you know, aside from as Brett mentioned with Rask and certain guys on the power play who keep getting put there, even though they, uh, you know, pretty much stunk. I think for me, my biggest thing with about it is that I just feel like they don't. I mean, this this could be different, but when I watch other teams in the league, some of the better teams in the playoffs, as I see, they move the, they move quickly. They they're not just standing still, just going slowly on the perimeter. 
looking for a pass. You know, they move the puck quickly. They, they cycle in and out guys. And, and you know, they're, they're constantly moving, which creates more open lanes. I just think that, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just hard to, it's hard to watch. Cause like we said, I think before uh, the, the playoffs started, you know, we said, you know, the power play is going to have to keep up the strong play from April because uh, as you know, we, we, we know you don't get as many opportunities in the playoffs and they're usually the ones that, that you, you need to convert on if you're going to stay in games. Yeah. I feel like it's been frustrating. It's like they can't even break the zone. I mean, yeah, you, you mentioned Vegas is one of the top penalty, like the top penalty penalty killing team in the NHL. But the fact that we can't get in the zone even is kind mm -hmm. of it was kind of frustrating to me. And then another thing that's frustrating is it's like they kind of hold on to the puck long enough to, I mean, maybe have an open lane to shoot, but then the lane closes up and they shoot and it's into someone. So it's like they're waiting too long to shoot or, you know, it's just, they're, they're not moving the puck around well. It's just nothing really, really is going well in the power play at all. I personally think even though he's been in the doghouse, I, I think put Parisi on that power play and see what happens. Look, it, it can't get worse you know, at this point. Right. Like, yeah. And we, we joked about this before, but uh, when, when asked about, you know, changing the lines up and, and changing the power play, Dean Evison's like, well, we want to stay consistent. Consistently bad. Like, <laughs> Dude, you've scored four goals in four games. Like, can't get any worse. <laughs> I mean, the the advanced stats suggest you should have some more, but the reality is, is what you're doing isn't working, especially on the power play. Your power play's been terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, the guy, yeah, I'm with you, Zeke. You, Rass just can't play in the power play anymore. They got to put somebody and, else there. Um, I know. And we'll talk about maybe some uh, someone that could potentially fill that spot here in a little bit, but. Working back now, um, any guys have any other thoughts on on last night's game? Um, Kaprizov aside, we'll get to that as its own little segment here in a minute too. But any other thoughts just on the game from a from a broad scope last night? Well, I, I know it's been uh, you know it's been beaten to death uh, the last day since the game now, but I just feel like I got to mention that uh, you know the whole goal interference controversy again. I know everyone talked about it; it's kind of old now, but. It's just I'm still dumbfounded the more I watch it today. Like I, I earlier uh, this afternoon, I sat and watched it like 10 times in a row, and I still do not see how in any way that that should not be allowed to be a goal. And it just, to me, is incredibly hypocritical because supposedly the NHL is all about we want to create more goal scoring. We want to create more excitement in the game. Well, then you take away goals or literally nothing. Like, you know, I, I just... It's just incredibly frustrating, and you got Alan Walsh, Flurry's agent, on there sitting. He posted a screenshot of Flino skate in the crease. It's like, well, that's great, dude, but that was after the puck was in the net. Like, I, I like I said, I, I watched it so many like ten more times today, and I still, like I said, it's been beaten to death, but I still am just absolutely dumbfounded uh, how that uh, was overruled. I don't get it. Yeah, and even too though, okay, his skate was in the crease crowd. Yeah. My interpretation of goaltender interference isn't, oh, his skate was in the crease. It's the player impeded the goaltender's ability to make the save. And I watched, like, like Zeke, like you said, I watched that replay 10 times, and never once did any of what Felino did affect Fleury's ability to make the save. He was just screaming. He never saw it. He didn't react to it. Yeah, and Fleury is the one who initiated the contact. Even more, even more so, like... And, yeah. you know, that, that same play happens, you know, whatever, a week and a half ago when the Wild are playing Vegas, and it's called a goal. 
like it, yep. when it happens to Cam Talbot. And, you know, and then earlier in the year, the same thing happens with Felino and Darcy Kemper, and it's called back. So I just – goaltender interference is so frustrating for me because it just doesn't have any consistency. At least with the offsides review, it's very black and white. Yep, like the one that was called back, did it suck? Yep, was it the right call? Yep. But also on that play, Kevin Fiala, you can see his jersey at the red line literally being pulled backwards, which caused him to slow down and made him come in offside. But obviously that's not something they can review, but it's they, something they missed anyway. But back to my original point, you know, offside is black and white, but goaltender interference, it just seems like they're spinning a fucking wheel and just saying, up, oh, uh, yep, yeah, this one's not going to count. Ah, this one's going to count. And it's not just the wild game either. I mean, we've seen other goal, you know, goaltender interference reviews that are like, oh, what? no. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's just the lack of consistency there and the the officiating league wide just continues to absolutely be a joke, whether it's Colton interference, whether it's penalties, uh, both Rod Brindamore and Craig Berube, I believe it would have been uh, it was on Friday, Friday evening, uh, both came out and took shots at the officials. Surprisingly, I don't think either got fined, um, which I was fully expecting to happen uh, yesterday, but it didn't. But yeah, I mean, the, the officiating has been less than less than uh Less than good. Yeah, they, they need more consistency. Another thing that, I mean, they're going to miss calls no matter what, but the fact that, you know, of course, Susie gets the cross-checking call, the stick breaks, but you see Kaprizov getting racked in the corner in the back like three, four times by White Cloud, and that just goes uncalled. It's like consistency. Just call consistent penalties and, and you know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're winning or losing the game for us because our play is what is losing our game, but right. I mean, they <laughs> like, need to be consistent in what they do with their job. Yeah, as we talked about, the power play hasn't been an advantage for us by any means, but yeah. yeah. And, and the thing that you brought up the Susie cross check, like the thing about that, it wasn't even a cross check. He yeah. never even extended his arms. <laughs> like his stick just broke, and the I, the ref did the old. Well, I'm gonna call what I think I saw. Yeah. Instead of what actually it's... happened, and it and like, like you said, Justin, like the other night, Kirill Kaprizov just gets decked three times in the back. Yeah. And then Carson Susi goes moves to established position in the slot, and his stick probably already broken from an earlier play. You know, probably took a slash or a cross check from a Vegas player, and it breaks, and then all of a sudden, you know, the Wild are are on the kill. Mm-hmm. Which, to the Wild's credit, I mean, they've they've I'm looking here, they've taken really let's see, six looks somewhere like close to like 10 minor penalties where they've, or where they've had to kill penalties. They've only allowed one goal. Um, yeah. And that was in game two. So mm-hmm. to their credit, they've overcome adversity in that sense where they've, you know, they've been stingy on the penalty kill, which, which is good to see. Right. And they have been all year, but yeah, again, just the consistency of the calls, like t- to me, especially too, is when you call that cross check on Susie early in the game, you're establishing the precedent that, Hey, we're going to call that the rest mm-hmm. of the night. And then you see later in the game, you know, players on both teams i saw Suter throw a cross check and it wasn't called and i saw at the other end a wild player takes a cross check and it's not called so it's just yeah. what are you calling and what are you not calling it just it doesn't make any sense and right. i think you know part of that they go well that's playoff hockey it's rough and they let that stuff get away which is is fine but like you said just be more consistent with the call every time and 
I just think, you know, my last uh, kind of thought on this, just to kind of build off what Justin had previously said, like, you know, we're not, like Justin said, we're not blaming the officials for the, for, for the reason that they lost, obviously. Like you said, you know, we're, we're obviously not, you can't ever really blame the officials for anything like that. But at the same time, two things can be true, that the Wild in that third game especially and at times in the last couple of games have played some pretty bad hockey and were the main reason they lost. But the referees can also have had a couple – really bad games and made some atrocious calls like they both they both can be true like they don't have to be it's not one or the other so you know yeah and i think we've kind of hit on you know i think we hit on kind of the main points of game three while ranting about the officials (laughs) and and yeah to me my biggest takeaway at least from these first four games is three of these games the wild have been right in it you know they've (laughs) You know, game one, they were, you know, that that first period they got kind of rocked, and then they came back with two really strong periods. Game two, a game, you know, where they played really, really well, you know, had a lot of shot attempts, but again, Marc-Andre Fleury steals the show. Game three, they they sucked ass, you know, an awesome first period, and then I believe it was nine shots in the final 40 minutes. Yeah, that was really Um, bad. I think three or four of those might have come in the final two minutes of the game, so, you know, they go 38 minutes with, it was whatever, you know, six shots on goal. And then last night, again, I thought, you know, they, they played pretty well. You know, it, it might be a little misleading, I think, because, you know, the, the numbers were the wild. I think, you know, it, their third period numbers look pretty good. But I think at that point when Vegas was up 2-3 zip, they just kind of went into to prevent mode where they really weren't trying to extend the lead. So mm-hmm. the wild they're going to get more shots in that situation. But I think overall, three, three games I've thought the wild have played pretty well. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, I, I tweeted this out earlier today. Marc-Andre Fleury in the playoffs has been just absolutely bonkers. I believe his save percentage is something, I believe it's 966. Yeah. (laughs) And his goal save above expected is north of, I believe, 5.3. He's averaging over, it's like 1.2 something per game, uh, which is just unheard of. Mm -hmm. Um, His season averages, I think, were not, he had a 9.28 save percentage, and his goal save above expected per game was something along the lines of like 0.4. So he's just he's playing out of his absolute mind, like Con yeah. Smythe level goaltending, and you know the best players in the league. If a goalie's hot, there's nothing you can do. I mean, up until tonight, we saw Connor Hellebuck had given up one goal in two games, and he'd shut out Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl. Uh, Oilers have you know finally cracked him night. They've got three goals through two periods, but it's just there's nothing you can do when you need a hot goalie. It's 2017 Jake Allen all over again. Yeah, I'm having flashbacks. Uh, well, Flurry's a lot better goalie than Jake Allen. Mm-hmm. It's still the same situation for the Wild. Yeah, and I don't know. I just feel – I think the, the, the frustration is pe- people – it's like we're not – it's not trying to make excuses for the fact that they've lost because, yeah, they've still lost. And obviously when you lose games, especially 4 nothing, 5-2, there is a lot you could do better. But I think that people see this and they get in the in the typical, you know, the, the attitude a lot of fans around here have. Oh, it's this is always always bad things always happen to us. Uh, you know, they, they must not. They, you know, they assume oh they're not competing, they're not really trying hard. And it's like, it's like no, it's not. In my opinion, I think you guys agree. It's not like an effort issue. It's not like they're going out there just coasting around like you know just just half-assing it. Like they are trying, but at the same time, like Brett said, along with Flurry being really good. It can also be part of the reason that just, you know, Vegas is also a damn good team. And, like, you know, that's – Runner-up for you know, the President's Trophy this year. Like, yeah, a good team. Yeah, that's not an excuse. But, yeah, it's not – I mean, it might sound like an excuse, but it's it's, it's just the truth that sometimes you're, they're just – the team you're playing is just the better team. And that's obviously the last three games we've seen that. So. 
And another thing is, I think Wild fans are losing sight of a good season of fun Kaprizov and losing sight of the fact that this is a transition year. And, and it might sound like excuses, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this is first the first season under Garen, and he's doing what he can with what he has. And I, I honestly had them as a borderline playoff team in the season beginning. We just got uh, we've all spanked, three of us spanked, had them kind of right there. Yeah. yeah. We spanked around some some pretty bad teams in the regular season, and got spanked by like St. Louis and Colorado. So, I mean, yeah, you always want to see a better performance in the playoffs, and anything can happen. But you know, it is what it is with this roster. We're extremely thin down the middle. Yeah, the way I look at it, all th- if all things go well, there's no major injuries. They they get the contract situation under control, and Garen makes a couple more savvy moves. This should probably be the worst team we have in probably the next mm-hmm. six years is probably a fair time window, I would say. Is that is that fair? This should be probably the worst team we have in the next six mm-hmm. years? Uh, as long as things go how we want them to go and, and players like Baldy and Rossi and Addison all, all come up and, and fill out how they're supposed to. So Yeah, I, I know I agree. I think it's just – I think just the key thing, like Justin brought up, the center position is just – I think they'll automatically be better if they can just get someone in here who is simply better than Victor Rask. Just simply better than that. those guys. Just, and we need better um, line mates for Fiala than freaking yeah. Rask and Rao. That's Oof. just not conducive yeah. to success. That poor guy. So let, let's go there next. Um, Kevin Fiala, I mean, that dude, we saw him late in the game last night shatter his stick over the back of the net because he's frustrated and he should be. Not only is the dude just creating chances left and right, you know, he's been stopped a couple times. He probably, I don't know if he has a post or two, but it feels like he's probably hit. Mm-hmm. He, he probably has hit three posts because it just, just seems the way the puck is bouncing for him. He's wheeling through the ozone. He probably could have drawn three or four more penalties than what he's what's been called. And last night we kind of see it boil over. And as you alluded to last night, he. You know, Zach Parise's called up, and the initial reaction is, oh, well, at least Parise can go on Fiala's line. There's someone with some offensive skill. Nope. Parise to the fourth line. Kyle Rao and Victor Rask are now Kevin Fiala's line mates. Just like, Justin, you had the picture of, uh, I think it was, you know, it's the speedboat, and it's yeah. the caption. It's, you know, Zuccarello and Kaprizov, and there's this big parachute behind it that says Rask. Well, now we can kind of flip that. You know, Kevin Fiala's a speedboat, both figuratively, figuratively and literally, and there's this parachute behind him of just Rao and Rask. Common denominator in both situations. Victor Rask is a parachute, but... <laughs> like, the, like, just... Like, Dean Evison, j- j- just kick Fiala in the nuts. Like, honest mm-hmm. at this point. Like, tell him how you really feel. Like... I think... I know, I think just part of it, obviously, everyone knows that he was his coach in Milwaukee when he was a young kid, and he's seen... He's, for whatever reason, even last year has seemed to always, from what we know, the history, that he's always been hard on him. So I don't know if it's that. Like, there's just something in there that he thinks, oh, I have to, I have to, you know, he's got to have it, he has a tough love thing or whatever. But it's, it, it, like, like, like you said, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, it doesn't. And to be fair, when he was younger, it sounds like he did need the tough love. But no, mm-hmm. I, I mean, at times he still does. But he's, I feel like he's maturing to the point where. Yeah. You know, he's coming the player that we one of the players we need to build around and, and to have Rask and Ralph as his line is oh not gonna work. Like they need yeah. to do something this offseason to get Caprizov and, and Fiala better line mates, whether it's, you know, 
of course, hopefully Boldy even on the wing with Fiala, but we just need to do better. And I think, yeah, I think that like the key thing is because if Fiala has, you know, if he's playing on just a half decent line, like they don't have to be obviously like, like Justin said, they don't have to be all-stars or anything, but they just need to be, you know, competent NHL players, like, you know, at least like top nine guys. And this is a guy who can score probably 30 to 40 goals over an 82 game season fairly easily just because of, like Brett mentioned in these three, these three or four games, just how he's even on himself creating all these chances. And it's, uh, it, it's just, you know, it's, we've, we've, you know, we've complained about line combinations all year, but it, like you said, it's just uh, frustrating to see. And this is a bigger discussion that, you know, that they, they see this stuff happening, but they continue to, you know, throw out the, the same guys with him and, and they don't really apply their whole accountability thing either to some of those guys either. So, yeah, no, it's, we it's definitely uh, yeah it's it's frustrating. Yeah, you know, Zach Parise makes a bad play in overtime one time, and you know he's in the doghouse for the season. Kevin Fiala turns one puck over at the red line. All of a sudden, he's you know, he's, yeah. a, he's a healthy scratch, and then you know Victor Rask and Marcus Johansson and all these other guys can just consistently fuck up. Victor Rask yeah. again on the power play just continues to be an absolute turnover fucking machine. And like, nah, we love his game, and then. He's a damn good player. Uh, what was it after game two? Was it game two where Johansson had the really bad turnover? I think it was game two where the mm-hmm. were playing well. Joel Eriksson-Eck with a great forecheck gets the puck in deep. Johansson gets the puck in the corner. Literally nobody on him. Turns the puck over and like 30 seconds later Vegas scores. And Dean Evison's response is, oh, well, that doesn't happen very often. Like, dude. Like, what? Like, either again, uh, the same way we want consistency with the refs, be consistent with your philosophy. If you want to hold all guys accountable, hold all guys accountable, dude. Like, come on. I don't get it. Yeah, it's 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 another mind-boggling thing because I mean, like you said, when you know, obviously with with the crazy situation, there might be more uh, to do with that than we probably might maybe know at this point. But yeah, no, it it just doesn't make sense when you know they have that they have you know the word all those words and stuff in their locker room and in the practice field that you know accountability is one of the big ones and that's what you know even garen too has been you know he's always been preaching and it's just like like brett said it just uh it just frustrates you to watch and, and like we talked about with rask earlier who who continually fumbles pucks away and 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 keeps getting put out in the top power play but you know but and then you got garen on bruce's podcast passionately defending him saying he's a damn good hockey player and that you know he, he because ron francis gave him that big contract that he must have saw something if it was ron francis who gave him that good contract that there's no way that that could have been a mistake because he's ron francis he's perfect but yeah no it's yeah it doesn't it's like 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 we've talked about and everyone's talked about there's just some of their personnel decisions just just don't make frankly don't make any sense so yeah, I will add to that. I don't think Garen would go on the podcast and say, oh, Rass sucks ass. <laughs> but, well, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, some of the line decisions and decisions being made are, are pretty questionable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I mean, Justin, to counter your point, like, obviously he's not going to say those things. But, like, to Zeke's point, like, to passionately defend him like that is like, all right. Yeah. Like, you could just say, no, we think he's a good player. We, we like what he's done. Like, it just mm-hmm. – you could, you could do the classic GM speak. You know, it's not a problem. Yeah. Like, like Dino last night with Rao. Oh, we liked this game. Like, okay, did you? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe but, he's trying to fluff him up for the Kraken. I mean, I like uh, speaking speaking of the Kraken. I did see a uh, I think it was a TSN mock draft mocked Victor Rass of Seattle, and I'm like, 
Oof, oh god! I saw please, that too. Please let this happen. This fan base, <laughs> the, like, oh man, the, the the wave of relief that would wash over us if that happened. Like, could you imagine? Maybe. Like, ah, oh, you could have Greenway or Nico Sturm or Carson Soucy, perhaps Matt Dumba, Cam Talbot, Capo Cat, Victor Rask. That's our guy. Like, <laughs> he'd go to the crack and score twelve power play goals, though. You know that, right? Even if he went to Seattle and lit it on fire, I would not care. Because he's not a job out there. Yeah, he he was put it. He's been put in every single position to succeed this succeed this year, and he just literally could not do it. He did yeah. it for like six games when that yeah. line had like a forty, like right when Zuccarello came back, and that line had like a forty percent shooting percentage. And then once that you know regressed as it should have, he was terrible. Not terrible, but just he he became yeah. who he is. Yeah, and and, he's just a very blech guy. And you know, like like you said, he's technically he has been better than his previous two years here. But like you said, that's uh, that's not saying much. So that's very low bar. Yes, yeah, so that bar was set pretty low. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, now we're gonna vent a little bit more. Um, <laughs> I guess we can call this. It, it could be positive depending on your stance on it, but. The amount of Kirill Kaprizov's slander on the timeline on Twitter, like it, it legitimately like sent me into a rage last night where I was like, I I muted Twitter for like basically from about mm-hmm. nine o'clock until I woke up this morning. Like it's just I won't I won't name names, but there were just some people out there that were, um, you know, oh Kaprizov's supposed to be a superstar and he's completely invisible in the playoffs. And there's just another, just another guy that's just gonna burn out in Minnesota. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, it- yeah, it's frustrating. This this fan base turns so quickly on a dime. Some people, it's just, it's something I want to see get uh, rebuilt in the off season as well. And like, it's just you, you wonder. It's like, did you? I mean, this is obviously the playoffs are the most important thing. Like, I get people's frustration from that point, and maybe it's just bleeding over, but. Uh, you know, like, did you forget that the guy scored 27 goals in 55 games this year? In his As first a rookie. Team. Yeah, he, like, he was probably the reason they, like, you know, you can say your goaltending, whatever, but he was probably what the main reason that they finished 12 points ahead of St. Louis and weren't on the fringe. Like, do you forget about the, the whole season's worth of, of great stuff that he did just because of four games that he's been, you know, not great, but, like, and Brett, I'm like you posted some some stats on Twitter earlier, like that I'm sure you bring up. Like he hasn't been like god awful either, hasn't he? Like I don't. I will say, has he been as good as he has as he well, was no. in the regular season? No. no. But there isn't a single no. player on the team right now who is playing as well as they were were in the regular season. And that's mm-hmm. why they're down in the series three to one. The one you can maybe argue is Jordan Greenway, who I think the last two games has been one of the Wild's best players on the ice, but. Okay, so one player and does Green? I don't even think Greenway has a point. He might have one. Yeah, uh, I think he had one on the Ericsson that game winner, um, in game one. Like, mm-hmm. to like, I'm okay if you say, yeah, Kaprizov hasn't been as good in the playoffs. Okay, that's probably true, but no one on the team has. But to single him out as the reason the Wild's offense has sucked is completely and totally stupid. Yeah. Uh, he's got for I I brought this up with you guys. Uh. His PDO right now is at like ninety two five, like eight percentage points lower than like where it's expected to be. So that for one, mm-hmm. just clear sign of just horribly bad luck. 
He's got an on-ice shooting percentage of two, like it's just over two percent. During the regular season, it was ten point seven. Basically, if if the Wild, not not not, I'm not. This is even him. This is his line mates, people he's on the ice with. Just at even strength, if they were finishing at the same rate they were, and if Mark Andre Fleury didn't have a nine sixty six save percentage, he'd have three on-ice goals, and there's a pretty good chance he's a piece of for sure, probably two of those, likely three. There's three mm-hmm. points, and if the power play is even remotely average, even scores once, again, he's probably a part of that goal. There's four points right there. Like, it hasn't been at all from a lack of Kaprizov creating. We, we've seen him, game one, he's, he makes an absolutely awesome play in tight on Flurry, and Flurry makes just a spectacular blocker save. We've seen him set guys up in the slot routinely, and again, they can't finish. It's like the beginning of the year all over again. It has not at all been a lack of offense from Kirill Kaprizov, mm-hmm. and I just do not have the time for people to call this kid a bust. Not to mention, the NHL playoffs are a whole different animal. Like we mentioned before, Connor McDavid, zero points in his first two games. I don't hear people saying he's not the best player in the world anymore because of that. Like, it's a whole different animal. He's learning. It's a learning experience for him. We've already talked about his lack of, you know, the lack of center depth. I love Ryan Hartman, but, like, he's just not the solution long-term mm-hmm. at center. Like, just calm down, people. It's four freaking games. Yeah, and- it's pretty insane. Oh. I mean, I've seen people... Not people, but I've seen a comment say basically calling them, uh, not let's not call him Dollar Bill Curl, let's call him like counterfeit oh, Curl. And I'm like, you gotta be oh, shitting God. me. Like, you do not, fans like that do not deserve oh. this kid. Like, oh, those type of fans need to just go. If, if you're that like miserable in this fan base, then find another team to root for. Like, this kid is special, and he's like Brett said, he's learning. And he's going to continue to get better. He's going to continue to get better line mates and teammates, hopefully, knock on wood. <laughs> and, you know, this is just his rookie year. And we did expect some, you know, what, what what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, growing pains. Growing pains, exactly. And, and he's maybe getting those growing pains in the playoffs, but he certainly is special. And, and like you said, the these fans need to calm their asses down. Yeah. And. I think, you know, like, you know, obviously the international play, the KHL playoffs, all different, but like, this is a guy that has won on several different levels of high level hockey. And with the way that we've seen him play physically and all that uh, early in the season, like, it's not a thing where, you know, like, like Brett mentioned up where people are like, oh, it's like the previous wild players, like Greenland, who's terrible in the playoffs. It's like, you know, someone, I can't remember who on Twitter, a few people brought up that Pavel Datsuk, for his first 21 career playoff games in NHL, had nine points, all assists, and I think had like three goals through his first 42 playoff games. And look what happened with Pavel Datsuk. He won the Stanley Cup, and he was a great player, probably going to be a Hall of Famer. Like, like Brett said, people just need to relax, uh, just, just enjoy what they have. And I think, you know, a part of this too is obviously, you know, eventually, yeah, in a couple of years, if, in like three or four years, if this is still a problem, then, you know, maybe we can t- have a little bit more of discussion. 100%, 100%. But, but like, if you look now, like, because of like Brett mentioned, like with Ryan Hartman, who is a good player, but he, nothing special. And even Matt Zuccarello, who is, you know, a, a, almost a pure passer and not really a threat to shoot. Like you can see Vegas, they're like focusing every time he's on the ice, there's almost automatically like two guys always like watching him like a hawk, like right on top of him. And like Justin said, cross-checking him, doing whatever they can to, to you know, not make him a threat because, they, you know, the other guys in his line, while they're not bad, are, are not going to beat you single-handed like he can. And so I think people just need to, like you said, they need to take that into account as well that, you know, the, the other team can also, like we said earlier, can also be just doing a really good job defending him. And and, and I, think, I think the main thing for me, it comes down to like what Brett said, is that if you're going to make any decisions or judgments with a player, 
over four or five games, then uh, yeah, that's you, you. You just can't do that, especially even though he's 24. Like like you guys, like Justin said too, he's still a rookie, so you can yeah. expect that. So it's easy to hone in on one or two good players rather than like say a line or two of good players, and mm-hmm. we will get there. And I also want to give props to uh, Johnny Drummond. He's the one that actually posted okay. that yeah, uh, yeah. dap suit thing. He's one of our uh, okay. you know followers, and he's uh, oh, yeah, a yeah, yeah. fan over in the from, UK. Yeah, he's so. from the UK. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. He DM'd us. Yeah, really cool dude. Shout out to Johnny. Yeah. We like we love you. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So again, I'm not saying Kirill Kaprizov has been the same player he was in the regular season. Not what I'm saying. But if you were singling him out as as from a four game sample as not a superstar or the problem with the Wilds offense, you are blind and you are stupid and I regret nothing in saying that. So end <laughs> rant. <laughs> Soapbox. And we all yes. that was we needed to get that out. Yes, we did. We we needed to get that out. I feel better now. I don't know about you guys, but I feel better now. Me too. Yeah, a little bit better. <clears throat> I was in a mode for the last day or two. <laughs> <laughs> Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Yep. All right. So the next bit of stuff we'll talk about here before we probably wrap up the show. Um, it sounds like, and this this is a little alarming. Uh, Michael Russo, I believe, used the word potential injuries, plural. Um, as the while they're evaluating their lineup for the next game, we discussed a little before the show. Could not tell you who might be injured. I mean, obviously, not, not even somebody talked about Kaprizov, but he blocked a shot off his ankle in game one, and it might very clearly be affecting his game. So that's another piece on top of all that. But so perhaps it's him. I would assume he's not out of the lineup considering he played over 20 minutes last night. Could be wrong. Um, uh, Zach Parisi took a pretty nasty stick to the mouth, uh, last night. Uh, Marcus Foligno was taken off the grief squad in favor of Kaprizov in the third period last night. Uh, Rao only played nine minutes. Sturm and Bonino both were low on minutes. So forwards, there's... Yeah, I thought I saw someone mentioned something on Susie too. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but... Yeah, Susie late in the Susie's game. Susie's name too. Yeah, so... Who the injuries are, your guess is, you know, as as good as ours. But I've got to think if another forward is down, it's got to be Boldy time. It's got to be. Yeah, yeah, maybe we're seeing Boldy and Addison time. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> I mean, it'd be a tough situation to throw them into in in a, a kind of an elimination game, playoff type atmosphere. But uh, don't know what you got sometimes till you throw them out there and throw them to the wolves. I mean. It'd be fun to be able to see him, even if it's just for one game or, or a couple games, see what he can do. And I think, you know, like, like Justin just said, I think that's a really good point is that at this point, you know, what do you really have to lose? Like, you know, if, if you just put out the same lineup, then, you know, you probably can expect the same results and that's a loss. And, you know, even if you try some things and, and put a couple of younger guys in there, uh, like a Matt Boldy or somebody else, uh, you know, even if it, you know, if it works and it provides a little more of a spark to the team, great. And then you win the game and it's like, well, great. See, that helps. But even if it doesn't and, you know, again, it's like it's not going to like hurt these guys long term. Like I've changed my tune a little bit where, you know, it, it's just going to give them more experience. And I think, you know, we obviously we kind of discussed this a couple of days ago. I was originally in the camp of when they didn't play him uh, in game four yesterday that, you know, let's just see what they're going to do. Let's see how it goes. And like, you know, I, I don't think. You know, Kyle Rauer, Zach Parise were particularly like terrible in the game, but no, they, they didn't weren't. exactly change. They didn't, you know, they didn't. There wasn't that much of an upside there. And while you know, yeah, Boldy's a twenty-year-old rookie; he would be making his debut. And like Justin said, it is a, it's a, it's it does just me. It makes a little bit 
less sense that okay, it would just be weird that they if they put it went ahead and put him in for this game now, like Justin said, for elimination game. When why wouldn't you have just put him in the game before then? Like I don't, I it, I don't yeah, and I changed my tune a little bit. I I, I don't get why he was not. Uh, in the lineup there because there's it's not like you're gonna you were gonna it was gonna hurt you I don't think like don't... yeah the the analogy I use and in spirit of the the PGA Championship I said oh, Zeke when I was talking to you in our very civil debate I may add uh, go read that <laughs> conversation take notes how to uh, civilly debate um, there are times when it's appropriate to not civilly debate um, there are also yeah. examples of that within my replies if you'd like to go at those as well. <laughs> Um, again, won't name names. Um, but I, I, I used a golf analogy. I said, imagine, hopefully people play golf here. I, I hope you, or at least understand the premise of golf. A par five means you're supposed to, uh, a five is a good score on the hole. Sometimes it can take you like three shots to get what's called a green regulation, which means you can two putt for par and get the score you're supposed to. But other times you can hit a really good drive. Like the, wow, they're in the playoffs. They hit a really good drive. And and I, what the analogy I used was you 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 could lay up on your second shot and not go for the green. That's Kyle Rao. Or you could pull out your three wood and you could go for the green, despite you know maybe there being bunkers and water around the green, where you could hit it in there and all of a sudden you get a six or a seven. Yeah, that sucks. But hey, at least took the shot, right? That's playing Matt Bowley because if it works, you might get an eagle or a birdie, which is really good. And I think Matt Bowley just has that ceiling where like Kyle Rao to me just felt like the safe play, like and. Like 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 you said that's like Preezy and Rao, yeah they were fine but they didn't really like Preezy you know drew a double minor which you know could have been big if they if they score on it but like outside of that between those two like they didn't really do anything special like they weren't out there you know creating a scoring chance every time they're on the ice Rao you know Rao didn't solve Kevin Fiala's you know dragging around dead weight problem where I think a six foot three Matt Boldy who's already proven this year. He can play in a big stage like he did, you know, in the in the World Juniors where he was arguably if, you know, Tre- Trevor Zegers played a heck of a series. But Matt Boldy, I think, was a very close runner up for MVP on that team with with five goals on a, on a world stage. Uh, you know, he was great at Boston College, a Hobie Baker finalist for Pete's sake. Like this isn't like this raw prospect. You know, he's mm-hmm. not a Jordan Greenway who also, I believe, made his debut, his you know rookie debut in the playoffs. Like it's not. This raw process is a pretty well-rounded player, six foot three. He's got size. He may not be like the fleetest of foot, still a good skater, good shooter, mm-hmm. can play the power play, and was often on Iowa's right flank. You know who's playing there right now? Victor Rask. <laughs> oh, look at that. He could slot right in and solve that problem too. Like, it just makes sense in so many ways. And again, you're down 3-1 at this point. You got to go for it. There's no more yeah. time to play it safe. You got to go all in. You got to be aggressive. I think mm-hmm. it's time you got to give Matt Boldy a shot again. Like you and guys I, said, see what you got. You never know. Think, no, this is a different animal than what he's done before. But yeah, see what he, he can do. Just and you know, mm-hmm. take well, a I shot. Think, I think that you know, like kind of Brett mentioned, like you know, every level that he, every time that aside from you know a little bit of a rust adjustment to his first half of the season in college, that every time he's stepped up a level, including the AHL this year, he's been like one of the best players on the ice. Like. You know, maybe he's not gonna. You know, maybe he's not gonna come in and score like have a hat trick in his first game. But you know, every time he's moved up a level, he's he's thrived. Like, you know, like just yeah.
And I'm looking for a quote here. Uh, a person very close to Matt Boldy, too. I'll uh, point out something this person this person said. Uh, Matt Boldy... Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. MVP at the American All-Prospects game. Uh, previous winner was was Jack Eichel. You know, Olympic gold or World Junior Gold medalist. Hoy Baker finest. This kid has proven he can succeed on on big stages. And mm-hmm. it's not like he's being thrust in on the top line. You know, you're not throwing him with Kaprizov, and you're not going to be playing him 18 minutes a night. You're putting him on what's kind of been your de facto third line with Victor Rask and you know Kevin Fiala, who just hasn't had anyone else. To help mm-hmm. him, like I just believe, like Alex Newhook's coming to Colorado. He's played kind of on their fourth line, got hurt tonight, but he scored a big goal for them. I believe it was in Game Three. Mm-hmm. Like that's his lineman at BC. He he fit in. He wasn't out of place. He didn't look like he was an NHLer. So, and I know it's a different situation in a sense, but like his line mate from the college he just came from, like a month ago, played in the NHL and didn't look out of place. So I have a hard time believing Boldy would look out of place. Will he be a game breaker in game one? No. No rookie rarely ever is unless your name is Kale McCarr. But like I don't see the 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 potential reward so outweighs the risks in my mind. And and if he does suck in a period, then shorten the bench like you always do. You have no problem giving Nico Sturm eight minutes a night. Okay, fine. Bench then then put someone else in there if it doesn't work for a period. Just give it a shot. Come on, Dean. Do something good for once. Just just once. That's all we ask. Man, sorry, I'm, yeah, I'm, well, I'm just ranting. Sorry. No, no, I know it's it's, it's okay. We, I know it's. I, I don't disagree with you on uh, on any of it at all. And I think just again, it just comes down to like you said. Uh, you got uh, you, at this point, you're one game away from elimination. As you said, there's there's really not much to lose, and it's not like some people have the the idea that oh, if you put him in there and he stinks, or the team stinks, or the, you know he makes a bad play or something, that it's gonna hinder his development. It's like first of all, if if the player is that you know if is is the kind of player that is gonna be shaken up by one mistake or just one bad game, then I think we have a bigger problem. And I don't think, and as we mentioned. He's been great on pretty much every stage of lo- and level of hockey that he's played at. Like, like you said, there's just there's just nothing to lose at this point, and uh, like you said, nothing to lose but everything to be gained. So, here's the other thing too. I mean, if you're looking at it from a managerial standpoint, you want to sell season tickets. You already got the hype around Kirill Kaprizov. This fan base is pretty hyped around Marco Rossi. Um, mm-hmm. I think if Matt Boldy comes out and plays a really good game five. And fans just have that fresh in their mind of, hey, this kid is really good for one game. You know, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, if, if the Wild lose that game, let, let's say. You know, I don't want that to happen, but say it does. <laughs> but he plays a really good game five. Just another player fans are stoked about. It's another player you can market all offseason. Like, who cares one game? If he comes out and he scores a goal, gets a nice assist or something, it's just another reason that's going to pump up your marketing as a from an organization standpoint, With it, which if you're Bill Guerin, that you love that for your team. Like, there's just so many good things that could happen. And the worst thing that happens is you lose again, which, hey, you've done the last yeah. three games. So does that really make that much of a difference? Probably not. No, so, no it doesn't. Yeah, I agree. Well, Zeke, I think we've lost Justin here. Uh, the the uh, the, uh, the kiddos uh, awoke. Oh, okay. uh, but do you have anything else you kind of want to hit on here uh, before we wrap up? We've managed to rant uh, and pretty much make a full squad of this. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. But uh, anything else you kind of want to discuss here before we, uh, before we wrap up? Um... Well, I mean, you know, like like obviously said, just uh, 
you know, uh, you know, you know, game five tomorrow night, obviously elimination game, got a winner go home. And I think, you know, obviously I think Vegas is, they're increasing their, uh, capacity to, I think like 11 or 12,000 now. So obviously it'll make it even more of a tougher place to play, but the wild have shown in that game one and even in game two that, and throughout the regular season in their history that they can play with that team in Vegas, they can win a game in Vegas. I think, you know, at this point it's just take it one game at a time, just, try to stay alive tomorrow night and then move on to game six. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll be back, uh, you know, and just even if it seems unlikely right now, hopefully we'll be back uh, on uh, Friday night or no, on Thursday night uh, for the podcast previewing a game seven. If uh, we can hopefully just, you know, pull out a couple wins here. Yeah. Anything can happen. The wild have done it twice yep. before it's been done. I think I saw either 18 or 28 times, I think in since mm-hmm. some year. And the Wild have been a team team that's done it twice. So who knows? You know, we we saw Cam Talbot steal a game in game one. Maybe he steals a game again. All of a sudden, Marc-Andre Fleury's ridiculous production. All of a sudden, that craters for a game or two. You're right back in it. Like, a lot can happen in the playoffs. Because like Zeke, you said, take it one game at a time. You got to win three, and then you get to start a fresh palette against uh, Colorado, who swept St. Louis to nobody's surprise uh, today. Um, but anything can happen and just go in for me. I just want to see him, you know, put forth a similar effort to last night and hopefully mm-hmm. just find a few more goals in the column. Because I, I think if they could pop two goals in, in the first half of the game, I think that, and not, you know, not have any goals called back and just have a little yeah. sum just to get that confidence back. Cause, Cause I think every player has got to be frustrated when you, you know, when you score four goals in four games, that's frustrating as a player. And you're probably going to try to make yeah. that extra pass and, you might try to do a little too much extra to get that little bit better shot off to try and score. Mm-hmm. But I think if they can get, you know, pop in one or two early in the game, just get that confidence back, feel like, hey, yeah, we can do this. I think that could be uh, – I think that would be my biggest key for the Wild in, in game yeah. Uh, five. Yeah, yeah, five would be just get a goal early if you can. And I think just get that jump start with a goal, get that confidence. Um, yeah. And I think especially if a guy like Kevin Fiala gets that goal, it could be it could be a whole different series. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think that that was, you know, that was kind of similar in the way in uh, games one and two when in game one, when the Wild got out of that game, that period tied and in game two, when Vegas got out of that period, not trailing. I think it's, you know, when that did a lot for both of those teams, uh, like you said, I think it's just, uh, I think it is imperative that they get out ahead. And, and like you said, you can just tell that the confidence isn't there. I mean, a lot of, you can tell it in many different ways aside from, you know, Kevin Fiala banging his stick. It's just the, the guys in their post-game interviews on the bench, you know, and a lot of the at times, you know, kind of some more slobby passes, pucks going off sticks, off skates. Like, you can tell that's frustrated. But, I mean, like you said, Brett, all it takes is, you know, one bounce, just just one shot to go in. And, like you said, we'll, we'll see what happens from there. So, game five tomorrow night, I believe it's a 9. 9.45. Yeah, it's like a, oh, it's it's a 9.30. But, yeah, like you said, probably means a 9.45 puck drop. So, Whew. Take your espresso shot at, at 9 o'clock. Stay up with us. We'll we'll do our best to stay awake for it. Um, but it should be fun. Just remember, we're, mm-hmm. we're basically playing on borrowed time. The Wild, you know, they, they've – I won't say they've overachieved, but I, they, they've exceeded expectations this year. And just, just a joy what we have this year. And just remember what we said earlier, this might be the worst team they'll have in the next six years. So enjoy it. Have fun. Just – be positive, people. I know yep. it sucks losing the playoffs. It does. We're not saying it doesn't suck, but this isn't this isn't the you know when we have a, a core built like we're yep we went for it we traded away picks like no we've got two first round picks we've got Boldy we've got 
Rossi, we've got Addison, we've got Kakinen, we've got Fiala, we've got Kaprizov. Like, the future is, is still coming. The future's not now. It's still coming. Like, just be positive. That's all we ask. Positivity. <laughs> just a little bit. I know it hurts, yep. and it seems impossible. Just do it. Please. Please. Yep. All right. Zeke, any final thoughts? Um, yeah, no, just just like you said, just uh, looking forward to the game tomorrow and uh, – like I said, just open for good effort, and uh, you know, like I said, we'll we'll see what happens. So, all right, Justin, I don't know if you're still there, but do you have uh, any any parting thoughts here before we sign off? Uh just uh, enjoy the last uh, few games. I don't want to say last few games, but enjoy <laughs> tomorrow night, and hope that we can do some uh, 2003 vibes. For sure. Amen. All right, gentlemen. Uh, Zeke, remind everyone where they can find uh, you and all of your work. Uh, well, uh, yeah, like as usually, you can find me on uh, Twitter at ZBWildNation underscore HW. And uh, you can also find uh, my uh, written work at HockeyWorks.com. And uh, one last uh, shout-out quickly to uh, Victor Rask. Uh, again, if he scores a game-winning goal in the playoffs, I'll buy his jersey. So, Victor, if you're listening, come on, buddy. Do This is the time. Like, come through for me. He had that one, I forget which game it was, where he got the pass from Fiala and, like, crossbar. I think yeah. at the time it would have been a go-ahead goal. I was like, who he was that close. He was that close. Yep. So, yeah, no. Come through, man. Come All right, through. Justin, what about you? All right, I'm at DEs2004. I'm at Kaprizov. See what the Kaprizov countdown. And I'm at MNW Prospects for MN, or Wild Prospects and Young Players. All right. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh92. Be sure you're following the podcast account, both on Twitter and Instagram, at SoundTheFoghorn. All one word. Uh, one final reminder, positivity, people. This is just the beginning of what should be a really fun wild team for the next, hopefully, 10 years. Uh, trust the process. Believe in the players. Don't call people out. Just be happy with what we got. Happy we're playing in the playoffs. Be happy that, you know, you got to get into some games. we got fans in the building. A lot of good things to look forward to. So be positive. And hopefully we'll be coming at you again with a podcast, as Zeke said earlier, previewing a Game 7. But until then, this has been another episode of Sound of Podcast.